All right. Well, good morning, everyone. Um, man, what, what a great day. Hey, have you ever heard the saying, put the best, put your best foot forward? I mean, all, all that really means is to make sure, like, you know, the very best view is shown and stuff. And we live kind of in a culture that that's a really big deal. I grew up in a very southern family, and so it was always, like, the way you acted out in public was much different than what you acted in private. Because if you acted the way you did in private, mom was going to beat you <laughs> and stuff. So it was always about appearance. It was always, it was always about kind of stepping out and, and making sure that this is what everyone sees. Um, my smile and everything. That's why when we're at church and everything, you always look at each other and say, hey, how you doing? And we're like, fine. <laughs> and that's about it. I mean, that, that becomes conversation and everything. But what I love about Scripture and what I love about God is that God shows it all. You know? Uh, I mean, the good, the bad, and the ugly, for those who love Clint Eastwood in that great movie. Um but, I mean, he just shows it all. Like, if I was the head of some kind of, if I was, like, leading a movement or some faith movement or something like that, it would always be, like, everyone smile, everyone look good, every do that. But all through Scripture, we find out God's like, no, I'm going to show you the warts and everything that, that's part of this. And, and this morning, we've been talking so much about, like, Acts and the power of the church and the Holy Spirit filling them and, and this movement. We have gotten to a place that would be so easy to skip over. But we need we need to look at it. And so this morning, what I want to do is we're going to talk about the problem with sin. Because I I really believe that if we don't understand and we don't comprehend how bad sin is, we can never experience how great the grace of God is. (coughs) And and so we really need to do it. And so like if you're sitting there going like, oh, great, it's going to be another fun sermon. I hope so, (laughs) but maybe not, because we're going to kind of look at the underbelly of what happens in our faith and the problem of sin and all that. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 5 with me. If you don't have Bibles, we have them available. If you, if you don't, if you forgot yours, grab one of ours. Again, if you like to use your electronic devices, sign into our Wi-Fi. It says GBC Guest. Just type in Find More, um, all in lower caps, and you can follow along with that. Um, it, we live in an age where there is no reason for anybody on this planet not to have the Word of God. Um, just because of apps and, and everything else. And so I hope that um, you are using every um, everything available to you. Uh, um, for that but as always these are the only words that are important I mean as much as I can talk and much as I can speak and and tell stories these are the only words that are going to change anything and so out of respect for that and out of the authority of these words I'm going to ask if you'll just stand with me as we start in Acts chapter 5 starting at verse 1 Luke writes this he says but a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property. However, he kept back part of the proceeds with his wife's knowledge and brought a portion of it and laid it all at the apostles' feet. Ananias, Peter asked, Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the proceeds of the land? Wasn't it yours while you possessed it? And after it was sold, wasn't wasn't it at your disposal? Why is it that you planned this thing in your heart? You've not lied to the people. To people, but to God. And when he heard these words, Ananias dropped dead, and a great fear came on all who heard. 
The young man got up, wrapped his body, carried him out, and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Tell me, Peter asked her, did you sell the land for this price? Yes, she said, for that price. Then Peter said to her, why did you agree to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Instantly, she dropped dead at his feet. And when the young men came, they found her dead, carried her out, and buried her beside her husband. Then great fear came on the whole church and all who heard these things. Let's pray. God, I thank you this morning. God, that you say that every word in this book is good for teaching. God, I know so often we like to gloss over and we like to like skip things over. We, we want the things that make us feel good. We, we want the things that make us smile. But God, there is a problem on this planet, and it's our problem. It, it is sin. And so God, I just pray this morning that we will not only experience your grace, but we would experience your holiness too. God, that you would speak, that these words would be your words, God, and that you would use them to pierce our hearts. God, that you would reveal anything that needs to be revealed and that we would have the courage this morning to deal with it. God, let this not be about a guilt trip or, or anything else, but God, just reveal to us how awesome, how holy, how righteous you are and what you have called us to be. God, I pray that you would give us ears to hear, give us hearts to respond, and the courage to change. And Father, that you would get all the glory today and every day. It's in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So isn't that a fun story? (laughs) Happy holiday weekend. You know, when, when I was looking at this, I was actually, um, uh, my friend Tony Alonzo, a few weeks ago, while we, we were off for the weekend and we went to celebrate, he came and preached. And I was trying to figure out, like, how can I make Tony preach this and, and so that I can skip over the good stuff? Because we like the good stuff, don't we? I mean, we love that. In fact, Thomas Jefferson, um, he had his own Bible. Thomas Jefferson actually went through the Bible, cut out all the stuff he didn't like, and then pasted all the stuff that he did like and put it in. It's called the Jeffersonian Bible and stuff, which I think so often, like, I don't think you're with scissors, but so often we love the grace. We love the mercy, and those are important things, and we know that God is love and and all those things. But I don't think we can understand or appreciate those unless we understand how much it cost him and why it cost him so much for us. You know, it's like we live in the sunshine state. I've been hearing people all week, you know, and all last week and stuff at, at Universal going, I thought it's the sun shone here. I said, it's still shining. It's just above the clouds. <laughs> it's still there. But my grass is happy and stuff. But the truth is, is you can't appreciate the sunshine if you never have to go through the rain. And so I believe that we can't appreciate grace unless we understand how much it costs. And that is Sin. And that is, and all sin means, and we're going to get into this today, all sin is, it's, it's an old Greek word that basically, it was for archery, it means missing the mark. So every time an archer would sit back there and he'd let his arrow go and it wouldn't hit bullseye, they would yell, sin! <laughs> Maybe we should do that in church. <laughs> hey, sin! <laughs> you know, I, I don't know, but, but I mean, it means missing the mark and everything, and so... 
It's an ongoing problem. And so what's happening here and happening this story, and as you read it, it sounds like if you read just chapter 5, and that's all you ever read, you think God is just harsh and like, man, that's just, that doesn't seem fair and, and, and everything. But what we have to do is there's this problem that we still deal with and they dealt with back there. It's a problem of trying to keep up with the Joneses. You ever heard that statement? Where we're always trying to like, hey, you know, they did this, I want to do that. So I want you to back up a little bit, some that we talked about last week back in chapter 4. Look at verse 36. Right before this, you know, we, we talked about like last week about the unity of the church and God calling us to be together in one mind and being generous and everything. And it gives an example of that. It says, Joseph, in verse 36, a Levite from Cyprus by birth, the one the apostles called Barnabas, which is translated son of encouragement, sold a field. He owned, he owned, brought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. And, and so here's this idea. Right before Ananias Sapphire, there's Barnabas. And this is a very close-knit community. You know, this is, they, they are depending on each other. I mean, they're being ostracized by everything else. They're under threat of persecution all the time. And so it's very close. And so here's Barnabas who sells his property and says, here, man, just take it all, give it. And so you know people are talking about Barnabas. And it's getting around. The news has got around. Did you see what Barnabas did? Oh, my gosh, how awesome is that? What a great guy. And I have to wonder, wonder if, if, if Ananias and, and Sapphira kind of heard that and saying, I kind of like that attention. We're good people. We, 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 should, we, should let, we, should, we should let other people know that, that we're good people. And, and, in, and in the end, it's an issue of pride. It's an issue of like, man, I want to be seen for something that maybe I'm not. In fact, Warren Wiersbe, I was reading and I was studying this week, he, he had a great statement. He says, most of the problems in the church are not from people being who they are. It's trying to be something they're not. And I think that's what's happening to our plan. I think forever we have tried to be something we're not. Because, guys, this is not a new tactic of our enemy. This is not something new that just started like in, in the early church and continued on. In fact, it goes all the way back in Genesis 3, 5. You guys <coughs> know the story. There's Adam and Eve. Eve's there, and they're in the garden. God says, you can have anything you want except that one tree, the knowledge of, fruit, of good and evil. Just stay away from that tree. Everything else. I don't even think it was the most beautiful tree in the garden. I think it looked nice and it was good, but everything else you can have, but just stay away from that one. He told Adam, Adam, I don't think he ever really explained that to his wife. By the way, men, it's our job to lead our wives and to lead our kids. And one of the problems in our culture today is we're not doing that. And it's 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 born from way back in the beginning. But but then, you know, the serpent comes up and stuff and and starts talking to Eve. And I know most of us would look if a snake start talking to me. I'm getting a shovel. <laughs> Say, no, you're not. <laughs> but but a snake shows up, starts talking to him. And, and he gives her this little little kind of sweet little talk. He says, in fact, God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be open. Listen, you will be like God. Knowing good and evil. It, 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 was, it was like the idea that, man, they, they, had, they were missing out on something. 
God's trying to hold something back or someone else is getting something that I think I should be getting. And that's what's happening with Ananias and Sapphira. That's what I really, really believe. See, I think we have a confusion of what what the big S sin is and what the little S sin is. See, I think we think sin is the things we do. And really all that is, is it's the symptom of something deeper wrong inside of us. You know, we we grow up. In fact, I grew up in churches where it was it, it was taught really like you don't you don't you don't drink, you don't cuss, you don't swear, you don't chew, you don't date girls that do. <laughs> you know, it, it was all about my behavior. And so we, we have gotten into this behavior gospel. It's all about being a good person doing that. But the problem is, is that there's a difference between the little things that we do and the problem that is built and born into us. The big S. You know, when you have a cold and you're sneezing or you're coughing and stuff, that's not the cold. That's just a symptom of it. And so there was a deeper problem in all this. And and, and the issue with Ananias Sapphire wasn't that they didn't give all the money. It wasn't. Look, look at verse three. It says, and Ananias, Peter asked, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the proceeds of the land? Wasn't it yours while you possessed it and after it sold? Wasn't it at your disposal? At your disposal? Why is it that you planned this thing in your heart? You've not lied to people, but to God. It wasn't about not giving money. They didn't have to give any money. They didn't even have to sell the property. Nowhere is there a requirement in Acts that says, all right, everyone that joins us, you need to be dirt poor, sell everything you have, and just give it. And so none of that. And so literally they could have sold the property and say, hey, we're going to give you like a third of it, you know, just to help out. But it wasn't that issue. It was an issue of a heart. It was an issue of pride. That's what was going on. And as we see through what happened, God takes sin very seriously. But it's our heart that leads us straight. Isn't that what Jesus said? He's like, it's not the food you put in the mouth, but what comes out of the mouth that shows your heart. In fact, way back in the Old Testament, Jeremiah he warns us in Jeremiah 17, 9, he says, The heart is more deceitful than anything else and incurable. Who can understand it? We need to understand our sin is not about just saying a little white lie here or doing something bad or being mean. It is something that is born into us. It comes natural to us. The best example I can think of is if you're a parent and you have kids, how many of you actually, when they were little, sat down with them and said, Hey, listen, if you get caught doing something wrong, lie and here's how you do it i didn't have to teach my daughters that it came naturally in fact i remember the day my oldest daughter she had like a pitcher of milk or something and she was little and i heard a crash i came in and there's milk and there's cookies everywhere i'm like alexis did you just spill all that milk no And right then I was like, sin! No, I'm just <laughs> It comes naturally to us because it's, it's born into us. I know some of us think like, well, you know, people are generally good people. No, we're not. We're not. It is passed on through us age after age. And if you don't believe me, just watch the news. In all the years that we have been around, have we fixed any of our issues with war, poverty, famine, any of the, the un- injustice and all that stuff? Have we fixed any of that? No. 
We need to understand that it's not about the things I do. It is the way I'm born into this. It's the big S that causes. But but even in that, I mean, even this, Peter asked Ananias, he's like, hey, why have you done this? And Ananias couldn't answer. And even with his wife, he gives a chance to repent. Look at verse 7. It says about three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Tell me, Peter asked her, did you sell the land for this price? Yes, she said, for that price. Then Peter said, why did you agree? Why did you agree to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out. Instantly, she dropped dead at his feet. When the young men came in, they found her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Then great fear came on the whole church and on all who heard these things. Peter gave a chance for Sapphira to say, no, we messed up. And I wonder what would have happened then. But again, it, 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 it was it was yes. Yeah, we did this. Yeah, that was how much it is. And I know looking at that saying, man, that's kind of harsh because they gave some money, didn't they? I mean, God just takes some money. But I want to tell you something. God takes sin very, very seriously. And we're about to go into that. But I also want to warn you. I want you to understand that Jesus told Peter. Jesus told us as his church that and when we stand upon his word, when we stand on the proclamation that Jesus Christ is God and did what he was going to do and was who he said he was and live that way and be a church that way, that not even the gates of hell can, can win. They cannot come against us. So if our enemy knows that not even the gates of hell can prevail against the outside and you can't get in and bust down the door, then I promise you he's going to find somebody on the inside that will do it. That's his best tactic. That's why so many churches, we have church splits over stupid stuff. We have churches that are ineffective. We have churches that don't seem anything going on. People aren't being discipled or growing in their faith because the enemy says, if I can't get in from the front door, I sure can get in from the back. And so we have to be on guard for this because God takes sin seriously. He is perfect. He is holy. I know we love the grace and we love the love and, and the mercy and all that. But you cannot have that if God is not holy and righteous and perfect. There cannot be a standard if there's not a standard bearer, and that is God has always set the standard for you and I. We've always been created to be perfect, to live in perfect communion with God, to live a perfect life. That standard has never changed. And yet we keep going through it just saying, well, it's okay. And no wonder our churches are ineffective. No wonder our people are struggling. Because we, you know, we have no problem pointing out the big stuff, do we? You know, we have no problem saying, well, that was murder, that's sin. You know, they're, they're lying, they're stealing, you know, that's adultery, that's fornication, that's all, that's all that stuff. And we can pick out the big ones, but, but do we talk about pride? Do we talk about, like, gossip and self-centeredness? Do we talk about disobedience and the little things? See, we think like, well, I'm not like that person. 
I'm good. But the biggest problem that Jesus talked about was hypocrisy. I love God. I sing songs. I raise my hands. I show up to church every time. That was the Pharisees. They were there, everything. But their lives didn't match what it was on the uh, on the inside of the walls. That's why I always say we can't be the church in here if we're not the church out there. Our, our lives have to match that. And we need to understand that sin is in the church. If you're looking for a perfect church, I told you this last week, it became imperfect the moment that you and I walked through the door. Because we're all broken. We all do that. And so, so how do we deal with this? How, how do we deal with that? We, we just need to understand that sin's coming after us. As it was God's warning back in Genesis 4-7. Looking at Cain and Abel. Remember the first murder? And he looks at Cain and he says, listen, if you do what is right, won't you be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at the door. It is designed for you, but you must rule over it. I'm going to tell you, every time we come together or we're any place, sin is crouching at the door because it's everywhere. It's one of the things I don't understand when people get so mad that like culture is going crazy and, and doing all this stuff. And they're doing like, why are they doing that? It's because sin. <laughs> They're living exactly the way they were born. They're just being honest about it. That's the way it is. That's, that's the way it is. And so it's crouching at the door, but we don't have to be ruled by it. We don't have to like stand over it, that there's a chance to get over it. And so I want us to take the last part of our service this morning and talk about exactly what we do with sin and how it affects us. And so the very first thing I want us to know is that sin is seductive. Sin is seductive. It looks good. It tastes good. I guarantee you that fruit from the tree, that fruit from the tree tasted good. It even says that it was pleasant to the eyes and it had, it was pleasant to the palate. And so they, they took and eat. And so sin looks good and it feels good for the moment. And the problem is this, so often we look at ourselves and we do the comparison game. I'm not as bad as that person. I'm better than this person. Look what I do. and Look what that do. And we get this idea that I'm not that bad. I know so many people says I'm a good person and I just, you know, I hope that the scales weigh out and in the end I'll be okay. That my good will outweigh my bad. But the problem is with that is that God doesn't allow any bad. There's no bad in God or in his presence. And so if we're sitting here this morning thinking, like, well, I'm not that bad. Well, well, let me give you this warning out of John 1, 8, 1 John 1, 8. It says, if we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. Put another way in Romans and in Isaiah, it says it over and over. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all like sheep have gone astray. We all have sin in us. If you don't believe it, just ask yourself how many, you know, don't raise your hands. I don't want to embarrass anybody, but how many of you have ever lied? You're a liar. How many of you have ever like stole something, you know, took something that wasn't yours? And that even if like I just borrowed it. But did you ask <laughs> if you have kids, you know, they have because you've seen like, why are my shoes on you? What? <laughs> Especially daughters. Sorry, ladies. <laughs> but we, we see that. And so when we say we have no sin, we are just lying to ourselves because it, it's there. It's seductive. And it makes us think that we're OK. The greatest heartbreak, I think, on this planet is there are so many people walking around outside these walls that have no idea that they're already dead. 
that they're already they're sick. They're 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 dead. There's no life in them. And, and we think because don't isn't that you know isn't that what we're taught? Pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. You can fix the problem. You take care of yourself. You don't need to trust anybody but but you. That's pride. That's the big S. And so it is seductive, but it's not only seductive, man, it is severe. As I said, it's all encompass it's all encompassing. It's all it's everyone. It's everywhere. What I love about the church, what I love about us coming together, it really doesn't matter what culture you're from, what you grew up in, what's your bank account, what's any of that stuff. The fact is, is that we all have something in common. We need a savior. We can't fix our problems. We can't do it. It is all of us. And it is a severe problem because here's what it says back in Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. It says, indeed, the Lord's hand is not too short to save and his ear not too deaf to hear. But your iniquities, your sins have built barriers between you and your God. And your sins have made him hide his face from you so that he does not listen. I love it when people come up to me and they're talking to me. It's like, I pray every day. And then they're like cussing up a storm. They're, they're not living any life. Like, I pray every day. And I don't understand why God's not answering my prayer. I said, because you don't know him. <laughs> he doesn't know you. Our sin separates us from God. And if you don't think that's a big deal, your breath that you're breathing right now is a gift from God. Everything about us is a gift from God. Everything that we have is his. Everything that we, we know is from him. And so when we sin and we are separated from him, we are separated from life. That's why the only monster movies I believe in are the zombie movies, because they're real, because everyone who doesn't know Christ is the walking dead right now. There's no life in them. It looks like life, but it's not. It's just going through the motions. And so our sin, this thing that is so that God takes so seriously, it keeps us from being able to talk. It keeps us from being in a relationship with him. We can we can either live our lives our way or God's way. And when we live it our ways and it leads to bondage, it leads to darkness, it leads to imprisonment. God's way is freedom. But we have to admit, we have to confess, we need to recognize that uh, there is a problem I can't fix. It's that severe. There's nothing you can do. None of us. I mean, it's just incomprehensible to me when people just think, like, I can be good enough. How do you know? When I, when I talk to my Muslim friends and my friends of other faiths and, and a lot of almost every other faith, if not every faith on this planet outside of Christianity is a work-based faith. It's about all the good things I do. And I always ask them one question. It's like, how do you know when good is good enough? How do you know when the scales tip in your favor? Because there's only one person that lived a perfect life exactly the way God intended us to live, and that's Jesus. So one lie, one bad thought, one bad action, one unrighteous, unholy thing separates us from God. And I said, I believe we deserve to be separated. We're the ones that looked at God and said, I don't need you. I'm going to do it my way. It's love. I, I remember there's an interview uh, on Larry King. 
Larry King is not one that is a friend of like Christian faith and everything, doesn't believe in it at all. Um, um, he grew up Jewish, but he's very much like, I don't believe in anything like that. And I remember he had um, Billy Graham's daughter on, and he sat there and looked her straight in the face and said, if God is so loving, if God is so great, then why do bad things keep happening to people? And I love her answer because she looked at him and says, we told God we would rather do it our way. And at the gentleman that he is, he said, fine. I'll step back. Here's what happens when we do that. That's what sin does. It destroys everything that it touches. Every relationship, everything. It destroys all of it. But the good news this morning is there's a solution. See, we can't fix it. We can't be good enough, and you and I don't have to be good enough. We don't have to clean ourselves up, fix ourselves up. There's no self-help book that's going to help you become holy and perfect and righteous in God's eyes. There's none of that. There's none of that because, because God took care of it. You know, when you read the Old Testament, you see that God laid out the Ten Commandments. And by the way, it's actually like 616 commands. We don't have to do all of them because a lot of them are food and dressing and, and all other stuff. But let's just take the ten. And I just have a challenge for you this week. If you don't think sin is a problem, take the Ten Commandments. Don't break one of them. Just next week. Not one. See, I think God gave the commandments to Moses and everything. He was like, he was setting up the picture. He's like, I want to show you from the get-go that you can't do this. And so... Once a year, the Jewish people would have to come together, and they would have sacrifice, the atonement of sin, and they would hope, like, okay, maybe this will recover us until the next year, the next year. And that was the process that they went through. And God said, finally, said, okay, that's not going to keep working. We've got to settle this once and for all. And so he sent his son. And in 2 Corinthians 5, 20, it says this. It says, he made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us. Understand that Christ came, he lived, he breathed, he taught, he walked, he ate, he laughed, and then he died. With the entire sin, every sin that ever been committed, every sin that ever will be committed, all of the judgment, all of that stuff was placed upon him. He became literally sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Isn't that a beautiful picture? It literally means that it's the word propitiation. That's the big, like, theological word it literally means that christ came he lived a perfect life didn't do one thing wrong lived exactly the way god designed us to live followed every command was absolutely 100 percent perfect god on that cross and then everything that you and i have done that has missed the mark that has been less than what god has expected or god has commanded was poured down on him and all that sin, literally, all over him. And then all of a sudden, when we accept that and we realize our need for the Savior, when we understand that it is Christ who died for us, there's nothing I bring to the table, God. It is all me. I've done things my way. I've sinned against you. That God takes that perfectness of Christ and he places it on us. How many of you, don't answer, don't raise your hand, but how many of you are righteous people? If you know Christ, you are. Because he was and he is. 
see, it's nothing I do. It's, it's that Jesus, the only way, the one that said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. I am the only path. I am the only way. Because you can't earn it. You can't, you can't outthink it. You can't pay for it. You can't buy it. You can't do any of that thing. I took care of it all. That's why he said it is finished on the cross. It is once and done, paid in full, so that now when we accept that and we understand that and we receive that grace, and we understand how much it cost. We become perfect. At that moment, God looks at us and says, perfect. And then for the rest of our lives, he gets the rest of us to catch up to what he already knows has happened. And that is good news. This is why Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount said, blessed are those who mourn, for they'll be comforted. See, we need to mourn the fact that we chose our own way so that we can understand the fact that God loves us so much that grace is his gift and free. But if we never mourn, if we never understand the seduction and the severity of what our sin costs, we never appreciate the grace that God gives us. Listen, if you have any question on what God thinks of sin, all you have to do is look at a cross. His full wrath, his full judgment against sin was poured out on Jesus. That's why he was beaten beyond recognition. That's why he was humiliated, everything. It was all poured out on him. If you ever think that God just doesn't think, well, God doesn't care about sin really all that much. You look at the cross. Because anybody that says, well, everyone just goes to heaven. It really doesn't matter what you believe. Has just said the crucifixion of Jesus means absolutely nothing. All you have to do is look at the cross. And that's what's happening here in this early church. And I think God just makes a statement and says, listen, I'm not going to put up with sin in my church, in my people. And I know at times now we look at it and we say, hey, well, you know, things are happening, but God isn't seeing the days coming. When there will be no more, God says enough. If you've been with us on Tuesday nights and you've been reading Revelation and going through that, you look at it and says, oh, my gosh, how horrible is this? This is going to be a terrible time. Yes, it is, because sin is that bad. And God says it will be no more. And one day it says there will be a new heaven. There will be a new earth. There will be no more sin. There will be no more crying. There will be no more death. There will be none of that stuff anymore because everything will be made new. Because sin cost that much. And it's invaded that much. And so Ananias, Sapphira, unfortunately, God said, no, I'm not going to put up with it. And I believe all my heart right now, God is kind of doing a, a clearing of the wheat and the tares in the church. I think that's why there's so many churches just, they're, they're shutting down because they've lost what what God has called them to be, to be out on mission, to be sharing the gospel, to be serving people, loving people, and loving him with all their hearts inside and outside the walls. And God's saying, no more. You know, months ago, we did a series through the seven churches in Revelation. Laodicea, I think, is a message to us today where he says, if you don't repent, I'm going to remove my lampstand, which basically says, if you don't turn your ways, church, you will not be my church. God, help us today that the, his presence isn't here. 
sin is big deal. It's on this planet. And I know we don't like to talk about it. We're like, oh, that's uncomfortable. But it is everywhere. But if this morning you know Christ, you are free. I, I love the great, great preacher J.C. Ryle said this. He said, I am convinced that the first step towards attaining a higher standard of holiness is to realize more fully the amazing sinfulness of sin. The step for the church to be powerful again, to be doing these things that we're reading in Acts, to see that happen is to understand that we are called to be holy, but to be holy, we need to understand how sinful we are and thank God for the grace and the forgiveness and the mercy. It doesn't end here. It doesn't end with our mistakes. The Bible says if we are faithful if we will confess our sins if we will say yes god i've messed up i'm this doesn't align with you and your word he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness the good news about god and sin i love that the bible says this that he takes our sin when we come to him honestly he says he takes our sin and throws it as far east as from east and as far west as from west that's a beautiful picture because here's the deal. If on this planet, if you today start walking north on this planet, one day you're going to be walking south. And then you're going to start walking north again. And then you're going to start walking south. But if you walk east, you will never stop walking east. If you walk west, you will never stop walking west. And that's what God does to our sin when we understand that Christ paid it all. And we acknowledge how deep and how dark and how terrible it is. And we give it to him. That's when the church becomes a light. And the community is changed. When we are dealing honestly with our stuff today here, it changes everything out there. So let me ask you, is there something? Have you fallen into the lie that says, I'm a good person? Or do you know that there's a Savior that died and took care of it and that you can live free of that? Because if not, it's crouching at the door waiting for you to stop paying attention. This morning, I just want to give us a chance to respond to that. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what's happening in your life. I know what's happening in mine, and daily I have to look at God and say, oh, yeah, that wasn't a good thing, God. I'm sorry. Is there anything in here? Is your faith kind of slow and low right now? And you're like, why is that? Maybe we need to take a look inside and say, God, is there anything in me? Maybe we need to pray David's prayer. Create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit in me. If there's anything in me that is against you, remove it. Because I think once we do that, the people will see. I told you, our growth strategy is us living our faith out there of being fully present, living a holiness and living righteous and living the way God loves. And I think people see that and it will draw them to him. But we got to take care of business first. So whatever it is, let God have his way this morning. Whatever you need to do, if you need to pray, if you've never been baptized, says, hey man, I've never been baptized, come talk to me. And I've got a, I got a, cattle trough that we'll, we'll pull over here and we'll, we'll dunk you into a cattle trough you know for those of you that want sprinkling I'll get a water hose and I'll just wet you all down because we just think everything should be wet 
We'll do whatever it takes. If there's just an area, if you're struggling and stuff in obedience, and you're like, God, I know you've been talking to me about this. Deal with it today. I don't understand going to church and leaving the same as you came in. I don't understand that. Because when my Bible, when we're in God's presence, it changes us. And I promise you, before we were here, he was here waiting for us to show up. So whatever it is, let God do his work. And then let us live like it. Let's pray.